This podcast features three supposed adults who definitely use adult language. They're also supposedly writers who are definitely not procrastinating by making this podcast. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to No Bad Ideas, the storytelling game show where we take the worst ideas from the internet and try to turn them into stories that are actually good. My name is Gabriel Urbina. I am your first Bad Ideas host. My name is Sarah Shackett. I'm your second Bad Ideas host. And my name is Zach Valenti, your third Bad Ideas host. And today we are joined by a very special guest star. They are a man of mystery and international intrigue, but they are primarily an incredibly prolific voice actor whose voice is heard across the vast open fields of indie audio fiction. It's Josh Rubino. Thank you so much for being Ooh. on the show. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Welcome. Such a good intro. And then everyone heard my name at the end of it. And I'm so sorry for the no, disappointment. No, everyone. Not at all. <laughs> no way, no how. Fist pumped. <laughs> Josh, we could ask you uh, about projects that you've been in, and we would be here for approximately four hours. Um, so we can't <laughs> do that. Um, but would you like to tell the folks at home about some of the recent things that you've been involved in or anything that you'd like to give a shout out? Oh, absolutely. Right now, the uh, main things are um, Valence is a, uh, a modern fantasy show, and we're in our third and final season. And mm -hmm. uh, having read through all three of the seasons, I got to say, season three is maybe my favorite. Nice, um, nice. So listen to that one. Um, <laughs> we've got uh, for Forgive Me is still coming out with its current season, which is, has one of my favorite characters that I've ever played, Father Clem. Definitely recommend that. And then uh, I just started this new show called Kingmaker, which I get to play a dapper fey chef, which is very fun. And uh, it's this yeah. steampunk adventure. Definitely recommend that. So Valence, Forgive Me, and kingmaker there you go folks that's your homework list for the moment <laughs> this show's over you need to go listen to all of them or we will all be extremely disappointed in you not mad disappointed, disappointed. yes oh, exactly. that's so much worse <laughs> but see you won't be disappointed if you listen to those shows so it evens out right that's right that's right that's yes. right go. <laughs> <laughs> um, but first, let's turn our attention towards the disappointment of life and some of the silly, silly bad ideas that people have had and how we're going to try to turn those into the pitches for good stories in just 10 very short minutes. I have the first bad idea today. Are you guys ready to dive on in? Oh, yes. Lock and load. There's an interesting thing that happens, and we've remarked upon this in the past, about how there are certain subjects that kind of have a certain gravitational pull in you know, bad ideas. There's just a lot of stories about people doing silly things around certain things. And one day we'll go and we'll create the playlist for like all of our Florida man ideas or all of the ones involving snakes um, or one that's very close to my heart and that I'm very happy to be able to bring another addition to uh, the playlist of stories involving bears. Uh, um, oh God. So from our friends at the Washington Post, and there will be a link to this article in the episode description if you would like to read along, dear listeners. The headline reads, 
A college wrestler fought a bear to save his teammate and won. Wow. He clearly wanted it more. (laughs) I think I saw this idea and it's perfect and I have no notes. So, (laughs) Way to go, uh, reality. Perfect. (laughs) uh, Well done. Yes. Uh, Let's hop into the story itself. The article reads, Kendall Cummings did not think he would fight a bear on a weekend and live to tell the story. (laughs) That's a surprisingly specific sentence. Um, But when a grizzly bear attacked his wrestling teammate, Brad Lowry, Cummings leapt in to save him. On the afternoon of October 15, the two sophomores at Northwest College in Powell, Wyoming, were wrapping up a day of hunting for antlers with wrestling teammates August Harrison and Oren Jackson in Shoshane National Forest in Wyoming. Hunting for antlers. I just want to highlight that. Yes. A very specific (laughs) scene is being painted. Yes. It's it's fantastic prey because it doesn't run anywhere. (laughs) True. Cummings heard the attack before he saw it. There was a loud crash, and then he saw the bear on top of Lowry in between the thick trees, he told the Washington Post. When he saw the bear mauling his friend, Cummings first tried shouting to scare it away. Then he threw stones and rocks in the grizzly's direction. The scare tactics were not enough. That is when the young wrestler acted on instinct. He leapt in and grabbed the bear, distracting it enough to free Lowry, (laughs) Cummings said. Then the bear charged Cummings twice, the Powell Tribune reported. Cummings had previously read about what to do in a bear attack, but none of that information had been about grizzly bears. In any case, there wasn't time to think, he said. Cummings played dead. I remember curling up, he said. According to the National Park Services, it's best to play dead during a grizzly bear attack, covering your head and neck with your hands and arms, remaining quiet and lying flat on your stomach. This is as opposed to a black bear. Where you're supposed to get big. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, there's actually. So if it's brown, lay down. If it's black, fight back. Um, Amazing, Sarah. You've saved a life today. We don't know whose, but somebody's life. (laughs) Somebody needed that information. Public service announcement. Uh, Camp counselor Sarah is here for everybody. (laughs) That is fantastic. (laughs) In in my mind's eye, as as you're telling the story of this story, all all I can it it looks like. um, Did you ever see that episode of The Simpsons where they go into Jebediah Springfield's backstory and he's like riding that buffalo? Yeah. And like in my mind's eye, this wrestler is like approaching a live bear and then it switches to the fight and it's like a mechanical like (laughs) Chuck E. Cheese sort of thing (laughs) that he's pugilist boxing. (laughs) Right. Like you see the like shots of the boxing close ups and it's very clearly like bear gloves, uh, you know, sort of taking like gentle swipes (laughs) at the guy. Um, Okay, but just to wrap this up, um, Mm. he's playing dead. What felt like moments later, Cummings watched the bear walk away. All he wanted to do was to get off the mountain. Um, From there, the article summarizes how they got up and moved down the mountain, uh, how the other people there had already called 9-11, how they were airlifted to a hospital, how they needed to get surgeries for the mauling, but are expected to make a full recovery, how they're very excited to wrestle with their team again by the end of the year, blah, 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 all Mm -hmm. good stuff. And at this point, at this point in the article, 
I was on the fence about whether this was bad ideas material or not. I was like, sure. eh, it's pretty bad, but I don't know if it's bad enough. It might just be a circumstance, you know? However, Uh-oh. then <laughs> I, kept, I finally arrived at the last paragraph, which is a quote by Cummings, the guy that leapt in as he reflects back on the experience, as he thinks about everything that happened on that mountain. And he goes, before this attack, I had thought that I could take on a bear Easily. <laughs> now I know that a bear is pretty legit. <laughs> they are tougher, strong. <laughs> I can't get through it. Okay. They are tougher, stronger, and bigger than I thought. It's not so easy. Wow. Oh my God. It's still easy. It's just not, <laughs> not so, so easy. easy. Yeah, no. Unbeknownst to people in the art of wrestling, bears. <laughs> actually pretty legit <laughs> the bear won the fight like <laughs> yeah unambiguously let's be yeah, honest absolutely. here absolutely no i mean the accomplishment is walking away with your life but i don't think that we can frame it as the bear won or excuse me the bear lost the wrestling match absolutely not yeah he uh he declined a, a second match like that's yes. uh yeah no let's be real if that bear had been 10 percent more hungry the story would mm. have had a different outcome oh yeah absolutely i just now i'm thinking about like what sort of bubble would have to exist where you go through life getting to you know the age of, of being a wrestler a college uh, wrestler college wrestler this is a man yeah with a good chunk of his college degree already earned, but yes. And y you live in a world where people believe that it's very easy to take down a bear. I'm just like, how much pop culture do you have to miss? <laughs> yeah, like, and then you have a rude awakening that bears are actually pretty legit. Pretty legit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, we all know bears are sleepy, hungry creatures that only eat honey out of jars. That's fair. Sure, That's sure. fair. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Set, right? I'm, I, I'm setting a 10-minute timer that is starting right now. The first rule of Legit Club <laughs> is you don't tell anybody we're fighting bears because they'll try and stop us. <laughs> Say more. I'm already I'm already sold, but keep talking. Well, I mean, you know, you work in a corporate hellscape. Uh-huh. You've you lost anything that used to be sensitivity to the IKEA's cattle. I mean, we're just remaking Fight Club, but you're fighting bears. Mm. <laughs> right, right, right. You're secret it's a group of people that like secretly go right. up to the mountains that to also try to fight know bears. that like one, they one of them will probably die soon. <laughs> <laughs> and two, if anybody finds out that isn't in the club before somebody gets killed, animal like protective services will come and stop them. See, I kind of want to set this like from the perspective of a bemused park ranger who keeps like <laughs> stumbling across like disturbed woodland. That's there's a lot of blood, but they don't know exactly what's happened. <laughs> I, I I like that. Yeah, I'm I'm also inching towards a uh, Christopher Nolan dark reboot of Yogi Bear. Uh huh. Like, incredible, <laughs> incredible. <laughs> <laughs> He's not your average bear. You know. Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> I have come for your pick-a-nick basket. <laughs> exactly. This is the role Tom Hardy was born to play. <laughs> he doesn't have to use any of his face, but you know that it's him in the bear suit. You were only adopted by the forest. I yes. was born in it, or whatever the quote is. Hey, boo-boo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Oh, boo-boo, come here. It's time for us to get a pie that someone has set out upon a windowsill. And, and then we go like, <laughs> like boo-boo, this is what human entrails do. <laughs> oh, I love okay, it. So uh. clearly the casting and the creative team behind it is a lock. But what's the basic premise? Like, who are we following here? Are we following the bear? Are we following the park ranger? Like, sort of like, walk me a little bit through what this dark and I gritty think, reboot of Yogi Bear looks like. I think I think we 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 follow Ranger Smith. I think that's his name. Ranger Smith. I'm going with that one. Yeah, I don't sure. think anyone um, can correct you on that. I thought it was and, Ranger Rick, and, but that may be a different thing. I believe that's a different thing. Yeah. We followed the park ranger. There we go. Nice, and maybe nice, maybe nice. we never know his name. He's just the park the ranger. ranger. That's that right. Is, He's but... just a stand-in for the system, man. <laughs> yeah. There you that go. That is a very and... Nolan thing. Yes, to just have it be the ranger. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the opening scene is him like uh, like Willem Dafoe in Boondock Saintsing this like scene after a a uh, a picnic basket has been stolen. Like there's people, parts, and baskets everywhere, and he's just sure. There was a bear, you know, something like that. And then I, I think it's this murder mystery sort of thing that eventually leads up to a climactic battle between Rain- the ranger and Yogi. So it's almost like a Jaws kind of a plot line. I was going to say know. the Meg, yeah. yeah. Yes, <laughs> There's exactly. multiple sort that. of, you know, like attacks. This guy's trying to piece together what happened. He's trying to convince the people around him that it's actually a dangerous bear that needs to get dealt with all finally right, the park culminating. The wants to keep it quiet because it's the height of the tourist season. They That's don't want right. to close the park. That's right. That's, That's right. right. Yeah. And then it culminates in sort of a 50-minute bravura sequence of him and maybe his helper having to go out into the mountain in a dangerous game of cat and mouse or bear and other animal that is not bear as the two (laughs) stalk each other trying to see who can capture the other one first. Um... I can't decide. In a movie that will definitely tell the Revenant here, hold my beer. Well, this is the thing. (laughs) Like, I think there's, I don't know if this is too jokey for Christopher Nolan, but I would pitch him on the idea is that, like, the Ranger has a partner who is played by Leonardo DiCaprio and, like, very (laughs) early in the movie gets mauled mauled by a bear. And then, and then it gets personal for the ranger, right? Sure, oh, yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah before it was just a job. Um, but I don't right. know. Then, then I don't know. If, yeah, I don't know if Nolan would would go for that. <laughs> <laughs> there's too much yep. nature in this movie for Christopher Nolan. There's too much green shit. We may need to call like David Fincher or something. Like you know, mm. I mean, look. Also, someone famous for nature in their movies i realized as i said it but whatever what were you gonna say sarah <laughs> I, I was gonna make a joke of like if terrence malick's family was kidnapped <laughs> and he was forced to do this 
hilarious. <laughs> if there was a letter that he got made out of individual cut out, um, you know, words from a magazine that have been arranged into right. a letter. That's right. Telling him what he had to do. Sure. I would love it. If, and he gets the letter and it's complete gibberish because bears don't speak English. So it's just. Sure. Yeah. Oh, sure. Uh, <laughs> this is and now a documentary can, no. about Christopher Nolan making, or uh, Terrence Malick making this movie under duress. I was going to say Werner Herzog, but I think he made Directed this movie. Directed by Werner Herzog. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Show me the boo-boo. Yeah, I'm absolutely there. <laughs> Um, okay, this is spiraled out of control in the best way. There's three and a half <laughs> minutes remaining on the clock. And I just want to clarify, this is now a movie, perhaps a documentary, perhaps a mockumentary. Accounts are unclear, perhaps by design, about how much of what we're seeing is real. The marketing on this is going to be insane. Herzog Correct. About the mm-hmm. making of a gritty dark, violent, a rated hard R reboot of Yogi Bear mm-hmm. directed by Terrence Malick. Correct. With a series of things that are, you know, we are in, he, we, everyone is insisting that this is not be a CGI Yogi. It needs to be actually played by, <laughs> is Yogi a brown bear? Is Yogi a grizzly bear? For the purposes of this movie, he'll be a grizzly bear. Um, mm-hmm. And they need to shoot it on location in the depths of Yellowstone and there's mm-hmm. rain and mud and flooding and the AD got a little bit mauled. It's okay. Truly the apocalypse now an arm. of bear movies. <laughs> <laughs> I feel bad for the costumer, really. Getting that little hat and the necktie on the bear, that's brutal. <laughs> that's brutal. That's yeah. hard. <laughs> oh, and you the know costume department is. is big. And then I guess smaller. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, but you know what it you know what it is in the gritty in, within the reality one level one level of reality down within the mm-hmm. movie that they're making that collar and that green tie belong to the Leonardo DiCaprio That's assistant right. character that got <laughs> yes. killed and eaten, and then that ended up around the bear. So it's a symbol of the violence that he did to our main character's loved one. And that is how they know that they have the right bear. They need to find the bear with the collar and the tie on it. That's right. That That's was the, the missing piece. I love it. That that was exactly what this needed. And I know we said that this is a, a Werner Herzog movie, but this is also the best Christopher Guest movie I've ever. Oh heard. yeah. <laughs> Christopher Guest is a technical advisor on this mockumentary. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Amazing. <laughs> Truly, a reboot of Yogi Bear deserves nothing less than this, I think. Sure. Like, it deserves, like, this level of Dadaism to it. Correct. Because trying to do it any other way... An act of folly. No, coming this Christmas in 3D. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) Be the bear. Uh. It's picnic time. No, you just, um, the, the tagline is, it's no picnic. Oh, oh fuck. That's great, Sarah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and like, there's going to be some like really terrible, this may be within the documentary, mockumentary, but like, there may be some like really terrible teaser thing that they're putting out that is like, the movie's so scary, it will make you want to exit. Pursued by a bear. (laughs) Shout out to all the Shakespeare nerds. 
There's 30 seconds left on the clock for any last jokes, any silly things, um, any casting ideas about who's playing the ranger. Because we Andy already Circus is boo boo. That's it. That's all oh, I've got. That's great. Go. That's, that's great. great. Yeah. Um, and I just want to be clear that it's like Yogi played by a real grizzly bear. But in the sequences of madness where the ranger hears a voice coming from the bear, that voice played by Tom Hardy. Correct. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That is time. So I think that we should play dead and let this idea go away <laughs> before well, it destroys us. It's funny because we we did our sort of comparison of um, the ideas that we have, Gabrielle. Uh, yes. We did and, sort of our shadow theater to make sure we didn't have the same idea. Yeah. And your prompt for this was, does it involve a university? Which your it, it does, technically. Uh, and I was like, oh, ho, ho. Mine is very far away from that. But it turns out... It's not. Uh -huh. It's not that far away from bears. <laughs> wow. This is about Wonderful. a swim team that fought a giant squid. I swear. Yes. <laughs> um, and one. I wish. Uh, but this idea that I have comes to us from the BBC. Uh, it will also okay. be in the episode description if you want to read along, dear listeners. Um, and the headline reads, paintballs are to be shot at Dutch wolves in bid to make them less tame. What? Dan mm -hmm. Harmon is getting out of control with his paintball extravaganzas. <laughs> Somebody tell that man to put a lid on it. This is from three days ago. I'm um, dying to know <laughs> under what circumstances a group of humans was like, I know what's wrong with the wolves. I mean, <laughs> I can I can imagine a couple of things where you might not want an animal like a wolf to be too comfortable being around humans, because I'm it, guessing indeed. that... There's a point at which all of a sudden they get less comfortable really quickly and then there's a problem. Yes. And that that is what this is about. And as with a lot of our animal ideas that we bring on the show, I think this one falls into the category of decisions that are made by and carried out by professionals. Yeah. Good. If this were to happen to anyone, very bad. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so the article reads, there are fears that wolves are becoming so unafraid of humans that they could become a serious danger. The decision made by the provincial government in Arnhem comes after a video was posted on social media that shows a wolf strolling past a family in the region's... Oh boy, my apologies to all Dutch people. Uh, Jorge Velve National Park. I can just imagine sort of just like the wolf tipping its hat as it goes, just like, good morning, morning. I was with the daisies today. <laughs> Did you get a croissant? I'm going to get a croissant. <laughs> so the reason they have chosen paintballs is so that rangers can see which wolves have been hit. Smart. Um, yeah. Yeah. It is hoped that it will encourage wolves to stay at least 100 feet back from people. A spokesperson for the province told Dutch News that one of the wolves in particular appears to have been looking for people. Unclear why. Um, environmental organization. Oh, boy. Again, I'm so sorry, Dutch people. Vonnebesch Schmering has accused park officials of feeding the wolves because if mm. they become too tame, then, then they can be classed as problem animals and cold. Mm. Dutch News reported that the park's owner, Sieger Emanuel Baron von Worst tot Worst. I don't know. Now that's uh, a goddamn name right there. That's a name. Yeah. That's a villain name. Um, the name has a monocle. Truly. <laughs> um, so this, 
this monocle man denies the allegation <laughs> that he has instructed the rangers to feed wolves so that they can be culled, but has previously said that wolves have no place in the Netherlands. Um, Folks of the Netherlands, if this name is the equivalent of John Smith over there, we are very sorry, but there are some superficial <laughs> signifiers there that make it very funny to our <laughs> English-speaking ears. Yes. Um the announcement from the local government does not mean that anyone with a paintball gun can head to the park and start firing at wolves. Oh, that's this good. This is not Florida. <laughs> that's the bad idea right there. Um, yeah. And no date has yet been given for when the measure will start and it will be carried out uh, by the people authorized to do so. So this is this is what I have shooting paintballs at wolves. Um, sure. <laughs> Which it seems like is going to be more measured and sensical, but is a great premise. So I bring no, it to you. No, you're right, Sarah, that it's one of those, like, as presented, and if it is done with as much authority and knowledge and planning as this article presents it as, with people that are experts in the interaction of wildlife and humanity, probably good. If you tweaked any of the dials that have been exactly set the way that they have in the story just instantly turns into a terrible idea. Yeah. And what tipped it over for me was like evil McMonical face's name. Um, I'm sorry to this person. I don't know your life. But like the fact that there might be some sabotage going on underneath, that intrigued yeah. me. Yeah, um, yeah. So I'm going to put 10 minutes on a timer. <laughs> Man, okay. Um, so that Baron is just a bunch of cats in a trench coat. <laughs> First, we take care of the wolves. <laughs> then we go after the dogs. <laughs> we're, we're, that has just to like, be the case, right? It's the, it's the evil cat guy from an American tale. That's who it is? Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, okay, let's run with this. Sure. So a cat has somehow managed to kind of get its human owner under its thrall and manipulated them into a position of power in this forestry service. I, I know you're saying that as a joke, but I would believe that more readily than firing paintballs at wolves. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was, I was extremely serious. I was describing a, a real life situation. Um, no, and so then it is, and again, and it's kind of a like, that is a pretty, I think, good premise. And, you know, we have kind of our villain, we have our basic situation, sort of what is the thread that weaves us through it? Are we following kind of the uh, local forestry service person that is starting to realize that there's maybe a conspiracy here? Is this kind of a animated... Eh, this probably wouldn't be Pixar. This would probably be more like Illuminations. Joint. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Is it like an Illumination movie and we're seeing kind of, you know, the park ranger's dog that is realizing that there's a nefarious plot afoot? Is this kind of about the group of, you know, like to go back to Zach's fight club idea from the previous story? Is it about a group of people that hear this, take it upon themselves to like take a bunch of paintball guns and go into the mountains to look for wolves? And then the entire movie is the like indie drama about what happens when they can't find any wolves and just have to like and turn on each other. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. No, that's. 
that's the thing. The the cat baron is uh, he's actually he's trying to sort of like inch his way into this most dangerous game sort of territory. Mm, uh-huh. I love it. So he's like, yeah, we'll just fire paintball guns at wolves. Now I just sure. need a bunch of you peasant um, townspeople <laughs> to wear these coats because yeah. it's cold out. And uh, <laughs> and before you enter the forest, you need to go through these checkpoints to make sure that you don't have any actual weaponry because we need to do this very properly. So you need to be thoroughly inspected to make sure that you don't have any actual guns or actual weapons. Just Man. paintball. Mm-hmm. Season two of Squid Game is going to be wild. Wolf. <laughs> Wolf, I say. <laughs> okay. Okay. I like this. I like this. Perhaps the main characters are a parent and a sibling, happy to have it be, you know, mother, son, father, daughter, father, son, whatever. Any combination I think works. And they had some falling out a long time ago. Sure. And since that time, the parent's main hobby, hunting, has been outlawed. But then the child sort of sees this and they see, oh, wow, here's an opportunity to kind of do something that follows the motions of that thing that you so loved. We can go, we can get some like paintball guns. I can finally, you know, we can thrash out the stuff that happened about the thing. It'll be great. Oh, interesting. So it's the it's the child who wants to affect a reconciliation. Sure. It's like. Hey, let's go into the woods with paintball guns and we'll hash some shit out. You haven't been Ooh. the same ever since, like, this country banned hunting all out, you know? Like, I think that this will be the closest thing that you'll get to it, dear parent. So, sure, let's do this. I am very much shooting from the hip here. So, any <laughs> alternative is very welcome. <laughs> well, you know what you could also do? You could take this in the entirely opposite direction Uh Mm -hmm. because we're on a tipping point here where it could either be like a deep story about reconnecting with one's parents or Air Bud because (laughs) (laughs) Uh here we go. uh uh Say more. So right, right now the wolves are pretty tame and we're trying to rile them up with those uh, with the paintballs yes what if there's a plucky kid that's like well they're why don't we just make them a little bit more tame and then we can teach them to play paintball gun with us and that's the thing the villain is the baron who wants to rile up the wolves so that they can be hunted Mm. but this plucky youth is out there in the forest with like dog treats trying to train these wolves because there's nothing in the law that says that wolves can't do paintball Um, I only only have that one accent so I know it's not particularly um, close to what we're trying to do here, but that's the only one I've got on the shelf. So, (laughs) (laughs) No, and it's fun because it is very similar to, if not outright identical to the voice for the evil cat baron. So we really have to rely on context clues to be able to determine whether it is the hero of the story or the villain of the story speaking, which I think adds a fun little puzzle element to it. There we go. We all sound evil. I don't know why. Yeah. <laughs> Incredible. Um, yeah. Oh, and then and then you have a conflict that way of of sort of like a how, how to train your dragon kind of a thing where the dad yes. wants to hunt, but the, the, the child wants to train. 
Um, and eventually uh, we have to learn both that reaching out in the spirit of peace is a good thing. And also mm -hmm. paintball can be fun and it, it can be good to be aggressive sometimes in the right context. In the right with the right outlook. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Sarah, how much time do we have on the clock? <laughs> you have for? three minutes and eight seconds. Uh, lovely, so lovely. Pick some voice actors for this adorable project. <laughs> oh, okay. What is his name? Uh, Rogue One villain. Oh, uh, um, Krennic. Ben Who played Krennic? Mendelssohn. Yeah, ben yes, Mendelssohn. So he's yeah. the Baron. Excellent. Excellent. Very Excellent. good. Very good. Yeah. He's got he's got a bunch of paintball guns around. We stand amidst my accomplishment. Uh <laughs> no, and you know, and I'm realizing that like the actual plan is that he wants to you know, he has some connect where he could make a killing with wolf furs or something. Right. But yeah. they're an endangered protected species now. And so he kind of is doing this plan that is supposed to be, oh, we're trying to do this for the wolves' protection, but it's actually very much designed to tip it over into, ah, look, we tried, but they're a menace. Sometimes you gotta do what you gotta do. We need to think about people's safety first. Yeah. Safety first my bank account say that i mean the people of the village's <laughs> safety first yeah i think that that is kind of perhaps what it is of just kind of doing this thing that is supposed to be for the wolves's benefit but it's actually just trying to engineer some lovable child getting mauled and that will be the torch that sets the entire thing ablaze perfect uh, i love this um you got a minute and a half. Uh, so who plays the kid? And and how old is the kid? That's a good that's a good question. Yeah. Is this like a teen, a young adult, an actual I kid? Mean, I think if we're going by Airbud, they've got to be like <laughs> ten to twelve, right? Sure, 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 sure. <laughs> I feel so lost at sea. Uh, not only having not seen Airbud, but not being entirely sure what the concept of Airbud is. It's about a Labrador. That is it. Basketball that he plays. Yes. Is it a Labrador? Is it a Golden Retriever? It's a Golden it's Retriever. A golden Retriever. Okay, uh, okay. Lots of sports. And a kid is involved. All right, cool. Got it. Understood. Um, but yeah, okay. So in that case, yeah, that sort of like 10 to 12 range sounds good. Uh, how old is Jacob Tremblay these days? He could play younger. Great. Yeah, I can All see right. that. Yeah. What's it, what's he doing? Yeah, give him give him this. Probably a million <laughs> things. <laughs> <laughs> Um, is there a tagline? Is there? Um, let me see. Listen to the call of the wild. No, wait, that's another thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, this summer, fun can't be tamed or something like Ooh. that. I, don't, I, I like that. I like that a lot. That's perfect. <laughs> and that was time. Uh, <laughs> incredible. Well, well done, you guys. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you for, <laughs> thank you for that trip out, out into the wild yeah a couple trips out into the wild today which we should we should go back to civilization and uh take off our hiking boots and get a little comfy and then we'll be back to talk more with josh Hello there, Zach Valenti, jumping into this episode with this brief reminder that we have an active Patreon page to support the production of No Bad Ideas and all the other crazy worlds we're building behind the scenes. 
To check that out, scope the sweet rewards we offer for monthly subscriptions, as well as how to sign up yourself. Head on over to nobadideaspodcast.com slash support. Once more, that's nobadideaspodcast.com slash support. If you already support the show, we so appreciate that. And regardless, thank you for listening. All right, let's get back to more No Bad Ideas. Alrighty, and welcome back to No Bad Ideas. We are um, done with the bad content for today. We're now only going to be talking about great, great content as we turn our attention to our special guest, Josh's own work. And Josh, maybe a good place to start is kind of how did you end being attracted to the world of voice acting? Sort of how did you find yourself, you know, we're all about bad ideas here, but we'll make an exception. We'll talk about the good idea where at some point in your life you went voice acting. That's a thing that I should try. How did that happen? Um, well, I actually got into this because of um, the Raymonda brothers, Bob and Adam. Nice. Um, Love them. I worked at the same Apple store as Adam. Ah! Yeah. And um, Bob had this thing called breadcrumbs, which they were in charge of for a while. And it was just like short stories that would then inspire other short stories. And when you were inspired by something, you sort of link it back to the first one. So it was a little trail. And Bob wanted to do a um, an audio version of one of the short stories that they wrote. And it was about a trucker who, you know, has just been on the road and he's making like a audio journal. Mm-hmm. And... I in because if you can do voices, that's like a great replacement for being genuinely funny. Um, So at work, I would frequently, you know, do voices or something in the break room and stuff like that. And Adam came to me and was like, hey, do you want to record for breadcrumbs? And I said, sure. And he brought over his equipment to my apartment at the time. And we recorded this uh, this first little breadcrumb, which if I'm remembering the voice, it was like a, it was like a slightly warped Nick Offerman sort of thing. <laughs> Very cool. And that was that was the start. After that, um, Bob and Adam were just like, "No, we can't. You you have to continue this." Uh, and that <laughs> we led to allow you to step away. Exactly. That that uh, led to me being in Windfall, and then like slightly before that, uh, Bob had me listen to a bunch of different shows. And I, I think at, at some point I followed Toe of a Caravan and they they said something about, you know, villain voices or something. And I and me doing another shit post on Twitter was like, oh, yeah, I, I've got a great villain laugh and everything. And then they called me out on it. And that's how I sent in an audition for Ball Amazing. on Caravan. 
And that and this all just sort of kept snowballing. So it, it is a combination of uh, actually it's mostly just shit posting, whether it be in real life or on Twitter. And that's how I got into it. Terrific. Terrific. Um, just for the folks at home that might be confused, uh, could we get a clinical definition of what a shit post is? Um, a shit post is when you reply almost sarcastically, <laughs> but not really. I, I'm, I use them <laughs> clinically as almost backdoor compliments ah, for myself. Nice, nice, but nice. Your mileage may vary with shit posting. So if somebody says, oh man, it can't be done, or something like that, oh yeah, no, I can do that with. Mm-hmm. No actual intent of ever following up. Um, <laughs> sure, sure. But also no plan if anyone calls you out on it either. It's, uh, right. it's right, diving right, right, right. right in. <laughs> Wonderful. Terrific. Terrific. Okay. But, you know, so this answer kind of, I think, leads us to another rabbit hole, which is that by the time that the Raimonda brothers um, did their thing, you had already sort of like in your repertoire this idea of like you're someone that can do voices. Do you is there anything that you can do to sort of like explain a little bit what, how you approach the idea of creating a character voice or how to sort of put together a voice that is different than just your regular speaking voice? I'm always so curious about how actors and performers and people that do voices kind of arrive at the voices that they do. So I have a very sort of visual way of doing something like this. And I I don't know how to say this without sounding arrogant, but I have I have a nice range of voices that I can do. Mm-hmm. How arrogant. I think that's just a true fact. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Um, so what I do is I start with what I call like a building block voice. And I have those voices sort of scattered around. I have like a poster that shows a bunch of different building block voices. And then between sort of those, I have a bunch of different median voices that go between them. So like I'll have an island uh, on on this little like fake map of voices, this voice archipelago that I have in my room um, that has like, say, Sean Connery, because there's not voices that go into that. It's just one thing that can be altered and manipulated through varying degrees into other forms. And then between like Sean Connery and, um, you know, Anthony Hopkins is where somewhere in there is where I would have like a little thing that says Alec Guinness. Um, because between the two of them, you sort of get that. And that's sort of how I visually come to a lot of the different voices that I can do. And then a lot of it is also, you know, I watch a lot of cartoons uh, and it's just mimicking voices and working with voices that sound fun. Um, And then to actually do all of that stuff, it's just... I don't know how I learned how to do this, but it's just manipulating the amount of air that mm-hmm. goes into my throat for different voices. So, like, if I really tighten my throat, then I can do something like this. Or, you know, if I really open up my throat, then I get something like that. Um mm-hmm. And then it's just, like, a lot of trial and error sitting in front of the mirror, like, making different 
like air experiments with my throat to see what sticks. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. I love I loved every part of that, but I especially love sort of that like mathematical, almost like formula of kind of art. We're going to take 70% of this voice and then 30% of this voice and we're like seven tenths of the way over there. Who do we find this other voice? All right, this we can roll with that. I think that's awesome. Is this like a Thank giant you. poster that you have or do you sort of when you're setting out to be like, OK, I'm thinking about this part. Let me draw the map and see where I think uh, this voice lies in the middle or d is this like a constant thing or do you do this constantly for new characters? I do it for new characters. Cool. Like I'll just take a bunch of base voices that I think are cool and then I sort of try to find the midpoints between them or um, just sort of like things in those orbits. Cool, cool, cool. So it's not just a gigantic it's always sunny in philadelphia style board <laughs> yeah. with yeah she uh, with you know strings connecting everything and you know one thing going like all the way across with just I'm, like what is the voice of pepe silva in the middle <laughs> and it's just I'm, scrawled handwriting i won't lie i'm waiting for my uh roommate to move out so that we can turn his room into like a recording space and then uh -huh. i'm going to start doing that because um, i I want to see how big I can get. <laughs> Amazing. I was going to, you know, not that there's anything wrong with playing lots of villains, but I'm curious, like <laughs> what, what about sort of, is, is there like a level of, of bombast and showiness that you like when playing villain roles or sort of what dry, what draws you to them? Oh, it's exactly at this that. point. Like, do I, you audition uh, for them or do people approach you with, Hey, we've got this great villain for you. It's like uh, 80, 20, 80, 80% okay. of the time I audition, but sometimes people are like, Hey, I have this dirt bag, <laughs> <laughs> but I, um, I was a Disney kid growing up because, you know, they were animated movies and I have three little sisters that I would babysit all the time. And sure. that is the easiest way to just make children sit. Um, mm -hmm. so I grew up on with all of these bombastic, just, you know, over the top villains. And those are the most fun roles to play. I think um, my most subdued character is on Windfall, and that's Captain Root, um, who he talks like this and he's very soft spoken, at least in season one. Um I will say season two, he sounds very different. Uh, so when that comes out, that'll be that'll be fun. Yeah, most of the time I really love playing just these over the top scenery chewing characters. My friend told me that I went to the John Lithgow School of Voice Acting because I just like, well, hello, there. like <laughs> all of these big voices are so much more fun. Um, and I mean, there's nothing wrong with like, you know, being a dramatic actor and everything. Um, and I have nothing but respect for folks that can sit in and give like a really good, heartwarming, touching, impactful performance. Yeah. But I didn't get into this to hone my craft. <laughs> I got into this for fun. And so I am going to eat as much scenery as I possibly can. Amazing. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I would I would never say that I am. uh a good actor, but I am a uh, a big actor. That's what actor. you have us for. We're here to say that you're a good actor. Oh well, thank you. <laughs> um, but if yeah, those are, to, if, 
No, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I was just going to say the villains are just the most fun to play. Although some every now and then, you know, I um, I, I do have a protagonist like um, or a good guy like Bernie on um, Greater Boston is fun or um, Liam and Valence, which I love Liam and I love that show. I absolutely hate voicing Liam because it's just my voice uh-huh. uh, <laughs> and there's something it's like go, it's every time I'm listening to Valence it's like having that dream where you're in a class in high school completely naked and and you're just like oh no I feel so <laughs> bad <laughs> see but, that is the experience that most of us have when we uh, actually do podcasting like that is sort of just kind of a lot of we, we don't get a lot of other voices to hide behind so we just have that experience around the clock whenever we end up voicing anything oh my god why do you guys do it it's terrible we is the we, thing we, we try to do it as little as possible yeah. people keep asking and and we often say no because it, yeah if you're gonna do it have fun mm-hmm. no this is why people keep saying that sarah and i should act in more of the things that we write and we're like you have misunderstood fundamentally why we do the thing that we do it is to not have to do that (laughs) Um, talented people to do that for us don't worry everybody this is why i'm on them in the room (laughs) yeah (laughs) i think that this is why when we did the kickstarter for unseen two years ago the top reward the top stretch goal that was there just in case an eccentric millionaire happened to stop by at some crazy amount i don't even remember what it was but it, I was, think it, was, mil- it was it was over it was over a million yeah, yeah i just like don't remember if it was two million mi- or five million yeah, it was some some multiple millions um that was the one where we said if you give us this much money sarah and i will not only create a new audio fiction series it'll be an audio fiction series that features only our voices we will finally right. give you the punishment <laughs> that you've been asking for all these years you have to make us millionaires first but yes. then we'll We'll do it. Then we'll do um, it. Which still holds true, by the way. If anyone has That's three million dollars yes. lying around, <laughs> let us go. talk to that cat baron. Uh. Yes, yes. Truly. I think they're trying to get rid of Will. Okay, wait, as a fellow Disney kid, I have to know if we had to just pick three off the top of our head, top three Disney villains. Okay. All right. So my number one is uh, that I can do, or just my top favorite. No, favorites, 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 like the ones yeah. that were the, the inspiration as the child. Uh, so Ursula is number uh, one. Hell yeah. Yeah. I, I will say I can do a poor, unfortunate souls that'll bring down the house. Uh, oh, yes. <laughs> um, so Ursula is number one. And then after that, I have to say, uh, if we're going classic Disney, then we've got to do uh, Jafar. Mm-hmm. And Gaston are my oh, nice, my top nice. three, um, which one of the old. Um, so my first like in person acting gig was actually uh, I was an in character MC for a Harry Potter convention. Mm-hmm. I, I would walk around just in character as this like wizard doing a Matt Berry impression for an entire weekend, and. 
So, yes, I would talk like this for an entire weekend. Excepting for, like, the karaoke contest and everything that we would do. And I did the Gaston song by myself as both Gaston and LeFou for that. And I'm... Very proud of that performance as well. I hope someone um, captured it. Yeah. Somebody, I'm pretty sure they did. There's de- there's definitely footage out there of me singing Mustang Sally with the guy that played Percy in the <laughs> Harry Potter movie somewhere. Incredible. Yeah, uh, I do a, uh, a pretty good LeFou if, I, uh, if I'm being fair. Um, and that that uh, that's why they're definitely in my top three. And... Jafar is number two because he is uh, only slightly less of a dramatic diva queen than Ursula. Sure, a tiny bit, but only a tiny degree. By by a parrot feather, like that is the. Um, and that's, that's what you need for a good Disney villain. I, you know, um. I'm sorry, Scar just is not as much of a diva as those top three. And that's what I sure, need from sure. a Disney villain. Nice, nice, nice. Yeah, that's a nice little streak. And those were one after another after another. Sort of that like sure. um, 89, 91, 92. Like um, they were the, the people that were working at Disney at the time really knew how to make a great villain. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Thank you so much for coming by and for being a part of No Bad Ideas. Thank you for having me. This was a blast. Where should folks go to get the Josh oeuvre? Like, what is the best place to look up more of your work, to follow you and your thoughts and your everything? So, um, unfortunately, right now, that's Twitter. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) We are kind of in that place of extreme flux. Yeah. So until I figure out um, where lifeboats are heading, I would say uh, you can head on over to at Prof Coppermain. Uh, that's where I'm at on Twitter, and that has the link to my website and all of my various other projects that I'm working on at the moment. Uh, yeah, uh, as soon as we all figure out what's going on with that, then then I'll have a new, uh, possibly a new thing to find me at. But right now, at Prof Coppermain on Twitter is your best bet. Beautiful. Amazing. Everybody check that out, please. And check out Josh's work. Um, We already told you what your reading list is at the top of the episode, so we can only assume that you are about to go hit the play button on all those shows as soon as we are over. But thank you so much for coming out and hanging out. No bad ideas. This has been No Bad Ideas, produced by Gabrielle Urbina, Sarah Shackett, and Zach Valenti. Many thanks to our patrons for their partnership in making this show happen. And a special shout out to our idealist members, Jennifer Schneider, Rena Sarame, Jeffrey Felsher, and Dia. Today's episode features music by Statesher and Jazar from freemusicarchive.org. You can support the show at nobadideaspodcast.com slash support. And if you love this show, please leave a rating or review wherever you listen and share it with someone you love. 